We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 9 of So Strange. I'm your host, Andy Myers. I'm an author and a paranormal researcher who was lucky enough to be joined last week by Orion. Now, our interview went a little longer than planned, which was wonderful. I actually decided to break it up into two different segments for the show. And last week you heard Part 1. What you're about to hear next is Part 2. So secure those headphones, hunker down, and be ready for some interesting dialogue. And there are some schools of thought that believe that the ETs that are coming to visit us, or the, or the um, clones, as some are speaking, that the greys are actually um, travelable clones that can move across time and space um, in order to interact with us in this time and space, are from the future. And that we're just versions of ourselves moving back here trying to help ourselves grow. And if you've done any ancient archaeology history watching or learning or gathering information that way, you'll see that things were happening in the same way long before we ever come to the States. First Nations tribes, great-great-grandmothers and First Nations tribes are telling their kids about the, uh, sh- the sky shields that show up to tell them uh, stories and teach them things. The people on the sky shields, which are discs in the sky. Our history says it all, um, and we have to scratch our heads because we get curious and we're afraid of change because if it happens too fast without it, not, not a lot of mentorship, um, we're afraid of losing something. Mm-hmm. And mostly, I think most people are afraid of losing the things that they have or their loved ones. Um, but, you know, I, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay because I think overall we're all moving towards, um, towards love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And things are moving faster than they've ever moved before. It can be scary. It can be overwhelming. I've I've talked on my other podcast, Paranormal Dads, we've talked at length about how is our maturity as a species keeping up with technology? I, it mm. almost sometimes seems like technology is moving faster than we can develop the maturity to handle it. That's true. I think know? the grays, uh, there's been some messaging that I've heard that said that our technology is far surpassing our consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, you you hear these cases of uh, aliens gifting our government technology. And to what degree that's true, I'm not sure. I I do believe what Dr. Kasher said, that they are here. Our government interacts with them. they, They have conversations. But the notion of aliens gifting human um, advanced technology, I have 
conflicting thoughts about that mm. because, you know, are we ready to handle it? Are we ready to handle a time machine, for example? Or would that be like handing a loaded gun to a, to a six-year-old kid? He's just he's not, <laughs> he's not mature enough to handle it. Fair enough, um, yeah. So I guess that's a whole nother a whole nother topic but yeah uh, to your point I, there there is a theory of you know these alien greys or or various species of extraterrestrial are they humans from the future mm -hmm. and if so why are their eyes so big oh did do we lose sunlight do over the course of thousands of years do we develop bigger eyes to adjust for darkness yeah, yeah so it makes I, you wonder i've actually heard about this there's a uh, a colonel that was around during roswell and now roswell is what we all hear about but there are actually two other crashes at the same time and so once you start going down that tunnel you'll get this information but i can't remember his name um but he wrote a book called After Roswell, and there's some UFO people who've piled onto that book and changed some things that weren't correct. But what he talked about being present at the autopsy is those big eyes are lenses. Oh. And that kind of makes sense, right? So if you've got an AI being and you need to put some type of eye lens over it so you can filter through and see in different spectrum, light spectrum, we don't even understand light here as humans. We've got a, a general idea of how light works and the speed of light. Yeah. And that was part of the conversation with Lex Freeman. We just don't understand everything there is to know, or we understand it in a very human capacity. So, and that gets into our conversation eventually about Sasquatch and about other paranormal things is what do we really understand? Um, I think we're, we have a lot to learn. Um, I'm, I, th I know we're learning a lot more and back to the you know, point about giving a, a loaded gun to a six-year-old, we literally, that's going on right now with our technology, technology, the computer, able to interact in real time. Our kids are smarter than we ever were at their age. I've met so many 20-somethings and 30-somethings that are way more turned on and tuned in. And I was still, you know, <laughs> all the things I was doing back then that, you know, is meant for another conversation. But, um, yeah. you know, I... I'm right there with you, buddy. My my 20s were kind of a, a hazy blur of bad decisions, and but you look at kids nowadays, um, you know. And I don't like the the word woke. I, I think that's I just don't that just doesn't ring true with me. But these they're they're a little more enlightened. They're more yeah. mature. They're they're uh, certainly smarter than we ever were at that age. Um, and you know, yeah, it it just makes you wonder. Uh, are, is this new wave of youth, are they going to be able to navigate the world with this barrage of tech that's coming at them? Will they still uh, maintain their, their humanness? Will they still take an interest in uh, camaraderie and brotherhood and, and meditation and, and kind of that core spirituality? Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, is, is everything going to shift to more of a ones and zeros and everything's just data because of the tech indeed that's a good good wonderment yeah. you know and from a dad um, one dad to another you have we wonder about what'll happen with our children and i just talked to my dad just yesterday i work with him with a sound bowl and i give my dad a tune-up it's not just in resonance but it's also kind of in old thought processes and how we think of things and what there's some new science out there like eventually your daughter will eventually know more than you do and she'll want to come back and teach you about the things she's heard. And I think that's what we all hope because yeah. eventually we watch our parents end up parenting their parents at some point. And that's evolution is yeah. we're just passing on learnings. Um, I think, in my opinion, and I think too much first off, but my thoughts around this are is that we've always come together as people 
um, to sing in reverberant spaces. Because when we make song together, we empower one another and we reach a higher state of being. Because in order to understand the universe, to quote Tesla, you have to understand resonance and frequency. And in order, order to understand love and interaction, you need to be mindful of resonance and frequency is my take on it. Because as I speak these words to you, I have to be mindful about my tone, my pitch, my amplitude, my timing. Am I talking too fast? Am I talking too slow? Am I not creating enough pause for a back and forth? Because this is the glory of a podcast is we can, you can edit this afterwards, but the unedited part is where the real grooviness happens. And so if we're doing it well, we you know neither of us have earphones on, so we're not focused on that part of the conversation, but we're also holding space for one another. And I think to answer that thought and my take on our kids going to come together with parents like you, with parents like some of the parents that I know that are mindful and that are practicing great change, that are breaking old legacies and creating new ways of being and passing that on to their kids, we can't help but have beautiful children and have a beautiful environment because we care and we know what's important. And our parents just passed on to us what they thought was important. And now it's changed a little bit. Yep. True. It has changed a little bit, but I think the core values are still in place. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Eventually the children become the parents and start teaching us more than we actually know. I'm, I'm already finding that to be true. Sometimes when I have an issue with YouTube or my TV, my, my eight-year-old daughter can fix it. <laughs> She's even dropping uh, political knowledge on me because we were having a conversation about George Washington, the first president, and I made a, uh, some sort of reference about him being in the White House. And she was like, Dad, George Washington never lived in the White House. Yeah. I said, what? <laughs> she said, no, it was built after his, after his first after his term. So I said, well, there you go. You uh, from the mouth of babes. <laughs> exactly. Um, but going back to your 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 um, comment that you made about about light, we do, we don't we don't know anything about light, um, or, or our understanding is very limited. But if we're talking the speed of light, to bring the conversation back to aliens for a second, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. So at that rate, you could zip around the Earth four and a half times in one second. But yet, still in the grand scheme of the cosmos, that's ridiculously slow. Because, you know, we see star systems that are hundreds of thousands of light years away. So even if we could travel the speed of light, which we can't yet, it would still take hundreds of thousands of years to get there. So my question, and, and we're just, all we can do is theorize, but do you theorize that these alien crafts, these, these UFOs or UAPs as they now call them, are they phasing in and out of our reality? Are they jumping through wormholes? Are they popping in and out? in a nanosecond as opposed to flying here for years and years. Yeah, so yes. And when it comes to the speed of light, that is our measure of consciousness. We measure to the level of consciousness that we have. Now they've discovered fun things like Birkeland currents where things are happening instantaneously and you can dive back into physics and you can see that there's scary, what they call spooky physics or that one, one particle located in one place, if I jiggle it, it can affect the particle, you know, that's located hundreds of miles from here. Yeah. Um, there's big, big thought involved in these things. And there's also big math, but math is also a very human experience. And I can just make it as simple as this. If we have one piece of gum in one hand and one piece of gum in the other hand, you have two pieces of gum, 
But if you put them in your mouth and you chew them together and you take that out, you have one piece of gum. So one plus one does not make two when it comes to gum. <laughs> now your math is your your mass is increased. Yes, you know one and one to add them together, you've got greater mass. But now one and one added together doesn't make two; it makes one. And you know that's not a, exactly a very um, scientific you know uh, theorem, but it's just kind of like simple math. And yeah. if simple math doesn't make uh, sense in this dimension what's to say that the math won't be different in other dimensions? That's the movie Arrival, if you've ever seen the movie Arrival. Spot on. Fantastic movie. Not only is math not the same, but language isn't the same. Yep. And kind of the, uh, uh, if you haven't seen it, I won't, be a, I won't do a spoiler uh, for you, but one of the fun parts of that movie is when we confuse the word weapon for tool. Yep. And... I like to look at life as you're leveling up, as you go through different levels. I'm a level 51 human this year, and I've definitely set down old weapons and picked up new tools. So uh, light and what's possible, I'll have to quote the Neil Donald Walsh quote of, keep your mind open about all things, especially things we know nothing about. And we pretend that we know a lot about everything, because if we don't, it's... It makes us feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> and we know very little because the government's come out and said, look, these UFOs are real. We don't know what they are. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, it, it's sad to, 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 to know that it took them so many years to admit that. Um, but no, I love your gum analogy uh, because I think it was Einstein himself who actually said um, any idiot can take a simple subject and make it more complex, but it takes a genius to do the opposite. Mm. Take a complex subject and make it really simple. We'll call it gummy math. <laughs> gummy math. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> gummy math. Gummy math. Yeah. Um, so whether or not these um, vehicles are flying here, I've got photographs that I'll show you, Andy, in my phone that were taken of me. by One was by me as a selfie as I was past Memorial Park here and I just happen, I have an iPhone, so you can see it frame by frame. And I saw the speck come across, zinging, and I focused in on that, and it sure looks like a disc. Wow. Um, Astara took a picture of me over, she was below me, I was standing on a rock, and we were at, um, we were at the Grand Canyon, and we were stopping for a walk on one, one of our gong tours, and... The last frame has a disc materializing in the upper corner, and I'll show you that too. It's soft edges, but it's definitely a disc. So, yeah, I don't know if we really understand what we think we know. Um, and it's back to my ideas around Bigfoot, you know, and I'll be the, this is going to be the first place I say it that it got recorded, but I believe instead of those tree knocks that we're thinking, these great 800-pound-plus beings are hitting trees with sticks and we're very simply thinking of as a human like i'll take this bat and hit this tree uh <laughs> it'd be like listening to you know listening to your four-year-old hit uh something with a stick you yeah. know there's just not going to be much volume or amplitude to that not comparatively what you can do so imagine a being that's eight times your size in some cases well, and on on a in a similar vein, I I personally believe that the Bigfoot whoops and and the calls and the hollers that people do to try to lure them in, I'm not convinced that's an effective way to get Sasquatch to come closer because certainly their goal is to stay away from us yeah. because they they just want to be left alone. They know the difference between 
a fellow member of their species making a whoop as opposed to a person. Right. I mean, that, that'd be like the difference between a parakeet saying something versus a human saying exactly. something. You can tell the difference. Yeah, and you know? studying, studying sound, you can understand that in a heartbeat. There's no way a ukulele can sound like a bass guitar. Right. 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 And that's an analogy I just pulled out of the air right now. <laughs> but there's no way that your vocal cords can even come close to matching the sounds that I heard in the Lincoln National Forest. The duration of that, I was trying to like it. It wasn't a scream. It had three pitches to it, a high, medium, and a low. And then the duration was, seemed like it went on forever. And I was driving here to think about how the best might I describe it, because I've always described it as a scream or a yell, but that's a very human way to think of it. I would think if you could hear a whale's song outside of the ocean, that long, and it just goes and goes, and whales go, and they touch frequencies that we can't even hear, nor frequencies that our microphones can pick up. Right. Because that's even limited to our understanding of magnetics. And that's freaking magic. We can go down that path. But nonetheless, I think that that smacking sound that people are hearing in the woods are the sound of portholes opening and closing. Whether they're leaving the area or most likely leaving. Because one thing I've always heard is from the Sasquatch communicators is that Humans are very loud. We are. It's not, true. Not just in our body movements and the things that we do, but also in our thoughts. And we only think of communication through the voice. But we've always been looking for radio signals from UFOs, but that's a very human way to think of it, too. Very primitive way as well. Yes, I indeed. mean, that's archaic, even by today's standards. Um, you know, it's a very old technology, and, and compared to aliens, it's a technology that might not even exist anymore. Right. Uh, radio waves. But uh, that's interesting. You were the first person uh, who's ever tossed this idea that I've heard of, of the tree knocks are not tree knocks, they're portals opening and closing. And again, like we said earlier on in the show, everything's crazy until it's not, yeah. until it's proven. And who the hell knows? Because you have this this hot debate that's going on within the Bigfoot community of, you know, half the people believe these things are interdimensional, almost akin to a ghost or a spirit. They can float in and out of existence. And other people are like, no, these are flesh and blood animals. They bleed, yeah. they, they, you know, they eat food. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm divided. I don't yeah. know what these things we, are. We've got miles and miles of stories about humans doing very non-human things, yeah. like appearing in and out of different realms and being able to disappear. Jesus has got miles of stories of walking on water, which is a very non-human thing to do, <laughs> right? But I, it's just stuff that we don't understand. And, you know, if you get a little in for more information, you can start to connect dots. I love to connect dots. I'm a dot connector. I like to put puzzles together and figure out how something works. Motorcycles, I have to take the motor apart and make it work and put it back together. But in the yoga community, there's a, a, a way of breathing that's very deep. It's very... Now, as you hear that sound coming through this microphone, some of you might think, ooh, that sounds scary, right? And there's a lot of reports of Bigfoot experiencers in their tents hearing that deep, deep breathing. Bigfoot is hyper-oxygenating their system. And word has it, scientifically, that there's been more oxygen on this planet than there is now, currently. Mm -hmm. We had bigger trees Dinosaurs were way big that needed a lot more oxygen to be able to survive. 
And humans, we're only breathing 21% oxygen right now. This is what we've had. This is what I was trained in the Air Force on. I was trained on oxygen systems and about our atmosphere. So we have 21% oxygen to, to breathe from. And most of us don't hardly breathe. Very shallow. Right. You know, if at all. If at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, but yeah, again, to your point, uh, there was more oxygen in the times of dinosaurs. That's why you had dragonflies that were, you know, the size of a, a Cooper's hawk, you know. Yeah. Trees were bigger. Uh, trees were bigger. There was more oxygen. But they think Bigfoot, when he breathes like that, is, is hyper-oxygenating himself. Well, is that the right so word? So some of the work that we do is breath work. And there's various different kinds of breath work. But in all states, like Wim Hof, he's been awarded the Iceman because he's been able to move through very cold scenarios because of his breath. He's also healed himself. And that's the guy who runs barefoot marathons in the yep. Arctic. Yeah, right. and he's just one of the guys right now. There's so many people doing breath work. And my partner and I, with a friend of ours, Frank Wolf, we do breath work in the house and combine it with sound. And you can reach a place of access to your um, higher self. I mean, you're lit up. You can feel more. You can hear more. You can sense more. You can see places in your mind's eye that you couldn't see just in your normal three-dimensional world. So my theory is that they are breathing more and accessing, like so. I, science says we're, there's 10% of our, we're only using a small percentage of our brain. What if we started from youth, continued to breathe more? Children breathe more. They can see entities in a room. They have imaginary friends, mm -hmm. supposedly imaginary, but they're breathing more. You can watch their little bellies. You know, as an EMT, they have, I've studied that. There's a difference between adults' respirations and children's. Children's heart rate is way higher than an adult male. They're moving more blood. They can breathe more. So, hence, my theory is you've got access to more capabilities of your body. And, it, yeah, there's some, <laughs> there's some truth to that. I remember thinking back when my daughter Skye was an infant, Laying in her crib, yeah, you can see their belly go way far up and way far down because they're breathing from their belly. They're not taking these shallow throat breaths. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's an interesting theory. Now, I don't know if we can talk about this or you want to talk about this. If not, it's fine. But you had mentioned off the record of a, a reservation nearby where there's yeah. been a Sasquatch sighting. Oh, yeah, just lots. So uh, if you're on Facebook, look up Res Resquatching. There's a, a current documentary out uh, about about the resquatching guys uh barry i think is his name is barry and his brother um are first nations omaha tribe um, and they've been following their local sasquatch community and um being uh how would i say this they're being um ambassadors uh between the two cultures because as long as stories have been told from first nations people i like to call them the locals because mm -hmm. they were here first yeah um you know, as it gets passed on from generation to generation, there are actual documented stories about the forest people trading with the First Nations people until we showed up with our guns and fire sticks and all of our different ideals. Um, and we always like to kill things that we don't understand. <laughs> it's a tale as old as time, unfortunately. Yeah, and um, it still happens. It's yeah. still happening. But I think we're growing. Um, there's guys like you and I that are trying to spread the message, be like, hey, friendly is always better than foley. Um, <laughs> and I just kind of made that up. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it, it is. And, you know, 
Uh, again, I, I talk about my daughter every chance I get. I actually had her on this podcast last week. We talked about leprechauns around St. Patty's Day. <laughs> um, but she's always, you know, interested in Bigfoot. We talk about Bigfoot. We look for Bigfoot every time we drive through a forested area. And even her buddies are interested in it now. And they're always asking for non-scary Bigfoot stories. Sure. And, and I do have a few, but I kind of look at it like like this, right? He's he's a giant, quite literally, but he's a gentle giant. And you could say the same thing about dogs. Usually the smaller the dog, the more barky, the more territorial the more territorial they are. But you look at a, a Great White Pyrenees or a Saint Bernard or a Great Dane, they usually have a really good temperament. Because they know analogy. they're the biggest guy in the room. That right? is a great analogy. I suppose that's why they use the big dog to live with the chickens and the goats as guard dogs up in the mountains of the Sierras. That's you know, right. Not the little yippy dogs. <laughs> not the yippy yappers. Nothing against yippy yappers. No. But they have their place too. But you said you were in the Lincoln Forest when you heard Lincoln, that Bigfoot. Yeah, Where, what northern, state is that? That's in northern New Mexico. It's the Lincoln National Forest, just outside of Cloudcroft. Um, and that happened in my 20s. And I will never forget that. I was there with another two friends. They were elders. I was just a young airman in the Air Force, and they were sergeants. And we were out camping together, and we cut a whole bunch of cordwood with a saw, making all kinds of noise. But we were the only guys in the valley only guys in this valley. And as dust set in, there came a sound like I will never forget across the valley at coming off of one mountain and maybe even on the backside of the mountain, but it raises the hairs of my arms right now just remembering it. And the best part was is we all kind of looked at each other and said, you know, what, what, <laughs> with a lot of expletives. Yeah. And um, the part that got really interesting is when the response came from the other side of the valley. And about that point, those guys went for their guns, and I went for the bottle. Yeah. Because uh, I was like, there's no way I'll be able to sleep out here unless I put myself unconscious. Yeah. So um, I wish I had more to the story. And, you know, nowadays I would have gone the other direction because I think sobriety and being conscious uh, is the path to awakening and yeah. to your awareness. You know, we need to be in a state where we're no longer numbing ourselves with um, substances. Mm -hmm foods, ideas, things that keep us in a state of like, oh, peace and calm. And we think, okay, this is what I need to get through this day. When in fact, we need to learn it, lean into the difficulties, feel the full extent of those feelings, and realize that we've survived 100% of our worst days. So. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I love that. I love that. And I, I think... Uh... You know, everyone's trying to find their own way to, to survive, but I agree. The more natural, the more organic, the more, uh, you know, you can navigate it uh, au naturel, yeah. the better. You yeah. know, and that's why I think we talked about this as well, you know, but gifting a Sasquatch, which a lot of people do after they've had some encounters, they gift them. Uh, but you want to gift them apples and nuts and berries. Don't be gifting them Taco Bell. Or Snickers okay? bars. <laughs> I mean, geez, you're sharing our drugs. Come on. Yeah, the you don't want to. You don't want a diabetic Bigfoot on your hands, there, right? Because <laughs> they they have no they have no reference point. I mean, on a serious note, that's 
you know, you, you see historically Native Americans have struggled with alcoholism. That's just the sad reality. But it's it's when white men came over from Europe and introduced them to it with no, there was no warm up, no nothing. It's just, it's a shock to the system. What's this foreign thing I've never had before? To go gifting Bigfoot a Snickers bar and he has no sugar in his diet except for maybe honey. Yeah. It's not going to be good. Yeah. Well, and that's right now as a culture, we're making, we're going back in time to find the medicines that are from the earth. Yeah. And we call that holistic medicine. And it's the very things that were being squashed and held down. And right now there's a huge resurgence around the study of psilocybin and magic mushrooms for those that don't know the phrase psilocybin. But for that and its treatment of those with post-traumatic stress and um, other life perturbances that have gone, you know, happened throughout our lives is how do we heal from these difficulties um, that get locked into our system and we end up um, having soul loss or splitting or disassociation and what is being shown and in my experience that magic mushroom is indeed magical. Not that it'll make you see funny things, but when you use it with intent and purpose, which are the very things the First Nations people could have taught us had we not you know, forced our pseudo medicines on them at the yeah. time. Um, now, now we're getting back into the space where we're understanding that the earth is, provides for us everything that we need in our healing process. And we have to just get out of our own way. And if you're looking for a medicine, uh, scientists are probably flocking to the Amazon rainforest because there's uh, countless um, Western medicines or medicines in general, remedies that have been derived from things found in the Amazon rainforest. Um, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's almost like a magical place. Well, I think all of our medicines come from au natural, but just have to be created synthetically so they can mass reproduce them. They can measure them and make sure everyone gets a dose. You know, someone's dose isn't what somebody else's dose should be. And through medicine, that's a lot of responsibility because I took that oath as an EMT. Same one the doctor, doctors take is, you know, you're not going to harm someone by your actions. And you study and work hard to do that. But medicine's changing, man. The last three, four years have been all about big changes in medicine and kind of feeling our way through some of that clumsiness that comes with change. Everything's changing at an alarming rate. Um, Hopefully uh, Bigfoot doesn't change because he's perfect just the way he is. And I have, a, I have a suspicion that it won't be long before you and I are traipsing through the woods looking for the, the mythical beast that yeah, is man. Sasquatch. I have, an, I have an idea for that. I think Bigfoot finds you when you're ready to be found. And, you know, when you have a, your mind is clean and clear and you have a, a meditation practice. And um, I just a few weeks ago, I did a seven day uh, no food fast where I just had water with electrolytes in it for seven days. And man, did I feel clean. It's amazing how my body went back to its basic state. And then there's some studying. Everything you need to know about fasting is out there on YouTube and take what you need from certain sources. But um, there's a lot of information. Um, we're amazingly magical beings, and I think we've really cluttered ourselves up over the years. And I used to eat a lot of things with barcodes on them, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm trying to be more conscious about that. Um, and, man, I still love French fries, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, try to space that out a little bit. Sure. Um, be aware of the sugars that we're putting in our bodies because we are magic, and as soon as we realize that we're treating ourselves like magic, we'll treat everything around us like magic and reverence. I dig that. Yeah, it, it, Sasquatch is probably going to smell me coming because I'm going to smell like pizza probably. So I can, 
In the meantime, I'll work on that, okay? Yeah, man. You know, <laughs> just if, if you go out in the woods and you're looking for Sasquatch, just sit down and be quiet. And, you know, and UFOs even, sit down and be quiet. And what comes to you will be exactly what you need. You know, and I was thinking, you know, it might be helpful if we leave our phones and electronic devices behind. I mean, ideally, it would be nice to get evidence, but... Um, at this point in my life, having been on several Bigfoot expeditions and, and not getting any conclusive evidence, I'd be willing to leave my electronics behind Absolutely. if to just have a, a peaceful, natural, spiritual experience where I where I see the big fella and I'm like, look, I'm not I'm not trying to document you. I just just want to peek and then I'll yeah. just go about my merry way. You know? I'm glad you mentioned that because if you want to understand your cell phone, go study it and see that. It is projecting a signal that is strong enough, line of sight, that means no hills blocking, to reach a tower that's 43 miles away. And when you understand how cell phones communicate with towers and repeaters, the intensity that the signal is coming off your phone, we can't see that spectrum. I think we'd all be a little alarmed if we knew exactly how many radio frequencies we're sitting in at any given one time and moment. Um, there was a point in my life where I turned the router off every night to the house and we did sleep better, you know, mm -hmm. because I was connected to my car's Bluetooth and my cell phone was in the house and it was more than 20 yards away yeah. through walls and through glass. And that's a lot of signal. Yeah. Now I have a firm belief that Sasquatch can see that when a camera comes up, the camera shoots out an infrared beam like a beam that's very sensitive animals certain animals can see infrared mm -hmm. and that's why uh hunting those hunting trail cams that people are always putting up they get triggered by rocks and little things coming in front that's because there's an infrared beam i firmly believe sasquatch can see that yeah uh, and hear it because you know there's frequencies we can't see and hear oh yeah totally in fact i heard one uh sasquatch expert say trail cams do not work like 0% of the time, if you're trying to find Bigfoot, do not use a trail can because you're, you're wasting your time. You yeah, know? So. I absolutely agree. And, you know, uh, I'm still of the, the, I'm so glad you mentioned not the cell phones because that's a huge deal. There is so much frequency being kicked out by these things. It's crazy. Just do a little deep dive. How does my cell phone work? And tell me about that. Um, if the other side of, if there's hills and buildings between, it can still reach 10 miles to that next next point so um that's a lot of power that's a lot of power so yeah that's a good that's a good add into the stories leave your phone at home besides yeah. it'd be better for you too well my friend i think we've covered uh all the bases what are we missing here we've talked bigfoot extraterrestrials <clears throat> spirituality technology anything else we're missing oh man i'm sure we could keep going but um just wind this down with uh illuminating hearts uh, and Tiny Space Productions is where you can find me, uh, Astara, and my work. Uh, it's illuminatinghearts.love. And through our website, we've got some free music we've recorded. Um, you can get in contact with Astara Raven and find out more about her and what we do. But more than that, sign up on our mailing list so we can let you know when We Are Not Alone is out for free and how to get it and how to see it and then how to pass it on to your friends and share that invitation to share your story, no matter how kooky, wild, or weird it is. Thank you for having me. Um, I love this, this work and this concept um, because we're all sharing our stories. And the more we share our stories, the more of our friends like Tribe will meet because we're sharing that vibe. 
and in this platform. So thank you very much, Andy. I have a feeling you're going to be a fan favorite, so you might have to be a semi-regular guest on the show because we just scratched the tip of the iceberg. We could go into all sorts of other topics, and uh, I can't wait. So until next time, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us as well on this latest episode of So Strange. Thank you.